Episode number 139 of Old Ute Radio. With me in studio, as always, my friend, not yours, Sasha Bloom. Also, fe- <laughs> by the way, this is an exclusive, not inclusive. <laughs> With us is Fox 13's Big Buddha. Buddha, how are you, man? What up, Johnny? <laughs> I just feel like you guys needed the room by yourself. I was about to walk out. Y'all need some alone time? <laughs> That's mine, not yours. <laughs> it sounds like you're going to fit right into the Utah culture. <laughs> my hot dog's better than yours. Give me mine back. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> by the way, just so if you're listening, we're not drunk. We're, 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 we just started the show. I don't want to be like, what, what are these guys doing? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, Buddha! Hopefully, I'm... after all this criticism, you will stop saying that one of these days. <laughs> never, never. I start every episode that way. Is it, is it a sore subject? Sounds like it might be a sore subject. I want to be me, my friend too. I'm just kidding, man. Buddha, man, thank you so much. First of all, I just want to say thank you for coming in. I I know how busy of a schedule you have. You're you're everywhere, man. I see you on billboards, man. I see you on TV. I see you at every single event, man. How do you how do you deal with that? Like, how do you like ha- sleep? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, when do you get any time to yourself? I, I don't. You know what? Um, this is important to me because um, you know I, I I used to be you guys, uh, so to speak. You know, I I know what it's like to be in the trenches trying to make a name for myself. So, in all honesty, t- today's my only day off that I get to spare with my family, but this is how important this is. I took time now to come and chat with you guys because I think I think this is cool, man. I think you guys are on some, and when you guys blow up, you guys might still answer my phone. <laughs> <laughs> and then Sasha can be my friend too. Uh, you know, it's, you know, I just, I just try to take it, uh, you know, not to be cliche, but, you know, I take it with a grain of salt. Um, you know, you're only as good as your last break, just like radio. I, I treat everything like I'm a radio guy because that's, that's who I am. I'm really a radio guy. So you know what they say, that you're only as good as your last break, right? So um, I take it in stride, and I just, I just try to have fun, man. You know, if it's, if it's not fun, then you're working too hard. That's, that's how I approach it. It sure seems like that. When I tune into you on TV, your energy is always there, whether it's 5 in the morning, 5 in the afternoon. Tough to harness your energy? Um, in all honesty, I'm, I'm not if, – if I was getting paid to act, I'd probably act somewhat different. But I'm, I'm really just – this is who I am. This yeah. this really – the guy you see on TV is the same guy I see in person. And, you know, I, I also say that with um, with a disclosure, everybody has an off day. So somebody will come <laughs> to Walmart and just, hey, tell me a joke. And I was like, huh, I'm shopping for produce right now, man. <laughs> uh, uh, camera's not on. Or, some, you know, somebody – everybody wants to be a comedian. They'll come up and they'll say, hey, how come you're not smiling? I said, because I can't read this label. <laughs> You know, I don't know many people that laugh and like, ha-ha, phosphorate 2%. You know, I just just try to be myself. That really, you know, who I am. I mean, whether we're at a nightclub or we're at church or whatever, I I pride myself on on being the same cat. Is it tough? Because everyone knows who you are in this city, in Salt Lake City. Um, So in church, are you always shaking hands and you can't just go for No, no, you got to come to to our church, man. In my church, these guys, they they give you humble pie every day, you know, because 
when, when you when you when you attend church or when you spend a lot of time with somebody, they become your family, they become your friends, and those are the people that can really tell you how it is. You know, it'll it'll start off just like any place else, pleasantries. Hey, how was the week? How's it going? And then all of a sudden, it'd be like, dude, for real, that 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 cake that you ate with that dude on TV for real, you had to do that. I mean, they'll just they'll hit you with that. I mean, they they do that they do that kind of stuff to me all the time. But um, so it's easy to stay humble and uh, and stay focused because they'll they'll tell me they'll give me that reason why really quick. Like you know what, I wouldn't have done that. I would have done this. So for me, it helps me. It's it's kind of like show prep uh, in a way, if you will. But it's I you know what to, to go back to my original answer. If if I were acting or doing something that's out of character, I think it would be more difficult. But because it it really is who I am. I think it makes it easier. Hmm. Does that does that make any sense? Did I answer the question, or does it sound like I'm I'm dodging? No, no, no. It, in my mind, it would be difficult to go to a grocery store and everybody hit you up. At, you know, if you're buying toilet paper or buying produce, hey, can I get your autograph? Can I get a photo with you? If you go to a Utes game, it seems like you can't watch a game. You have to consistently interact with the public, and you can't make any mistakes. You know, you can't. Throw someone the bird. You can't get mad in traffic because. Uh, <laughs> no, you can't. No, no, you can't. Uh, I'll tell you, this is a true story. This happened two days ago. This is a, this is a totally true story. So I'm, I'm trying to get onto traffic on State Street in Sandy. And in order for me to get to my turning lane, I have to speed up and I have to cross two lanes of traffic to get there. So I do so. I'm not even close to anybody, I, I, as I think. I think I'm not going to hit anybody. I pull up to the red light. The dude looks over to me and shakes his head. I give him the bird. Yeah. He gives the bird right back to me, and we don't. But it's not. It's like an. It's not an angry bird. It's. it's sorry. No, sorry. Oh, dang it. I didn't mean it like that. Sorry. Not Are they watching the show? Sorry. But it wasn't upset. I mean, we both looked at each other, and then we just kind of, kind of giggled at each other, and then we both rolled our windows down and said, "Dude, I'm sorry. I'm having a long day." He goes, "I am too. You weren't even close to me." And then all of a sudden, we just start like giving each other compliments. Oh, I'm sure you're a good driver. You're. But but that's the kind of interaction I have with people. Even angry exchanges, uh, they are rare and uh, far and few between. But I, like that, that's an example. Uh, I gave somebody the bird; they gave it right back, and we just <laughs> chuckled. I, I didn't take it seriously. I, I the the guy in the other car didn't either. Um, I actually I, I think it's um, a conversation I had with my mom. My mom asked me all the time, "Why do you?" Son, why you post everything on a Instagram? Why you too, Dad? Everybody see it. You know, she don't speak English very well. Uh, <laughs> I told my mom part of it is uh, my job, but the other part is it helps keep me accountable. You know, the weight, the weight loss stuff. You know, if I'm working out at the gym, if I just tell people, hey, I went to the gym and I killed it today, they're like, oh, I, I didn't see a picture. I didn't see a video. Even today, it's really tough for people to understand that I that I actually went or I actually did something or I was there if if I don't have any proof. So a lot of that really is just to keep me accountable and, you know, hey, here's my goal. Here's what I set out to do. And this is going to help me stay on track. See, that's really interesting to me because I'm having a hard time dealing with that aspect of having to share everything on Instagram. Oh, I'm over here. I got to share this and post that because it's part of the job. Like, so it's still fun for you. Like, you really you have fun with this because have you like. Did you develop your personality into this, or was it kind of like a good fit? Like, were you always kind of this way? Or I, I was like this uh, all the time. Uh, when I was growing up as a little kid, I was always the, the class clown. Um, my, I think my fourth grade teacher, her name was Mrs. Wright. This is out in uh, East L.A., Park Avenue, 
she says to my mom in a uh, <laughs> parent-teacher conference, uh, my real name's Leroy. Uh, and Mrs. Wright's like, I sure hope Leroy get a job where he can talk because he talk all the time. <laughs> I cannot get that boy to shut his mouth. Ma'am, you got a problem on your hands, Mrs. Tao. You got a problem. <laughs> so <laughs> years later, I go back and I tell her I'm a DJ. You know, I'm doing radio. And she's like, well, thank goodness. God bless your heart because you cannot shut up to save your life. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a true story. She's freaking hilarious. But uh, you know, I, I think I was. I think I've always been like this. And for me, I, I'm very fortunate that I'm in the position where I'm at, and I, I don't really get to to act. It's not like I go home and I'm some mean jackass or brute. You know, I, I I'm still like this with my kids, with my friends. You know, I just try to keep it as real as possible. So, how did you get your start in radio? Um, I, I went just like just like everybody else. We went to school. Um, we tried an internship. I was I was going. I was attending school at uh, Cal State Sacramento, and I was interning at uh, KSFM one hundred two five. Yeah, one hundred two five. I'm from uh, Sacramento and, yeah. and Wow ninety four nine. Yeah. So I was I I really got my um my feet wet with a lot of uh, veteran DJs at the time. Um, what's his name? Vaughn with uh the Doghouse Dog Pound. There's so many dogs out there. Yeah, I, but they were a popular show. Um, Strawberry, he was the night DJ, and uh, CK and the Bad Boy Broadcast, he's the one who who picked me up. So I did a lot of internship. My first gig was actually a promotions director for KSFM 102.5. Oh, wow. And I I just I did the same thing. It's crazy because people who came up thought I was the personality. I was the honor talent. I was like spinning wheels. I was just, I mean, I was doing, I was going above and beyond uh, the call of duty of what an intern should do. People thought I was making money and getting paid. I'm like, no, nah, I'm doing this stuff for free. <laughs> I'm working for free right now. He had it worse than I did. <laughs> <laughs> but they they let me have access to a, a gas card. You know, back back in those days, radio was pretty pretty good. I, I had a gas card. I had a station vehicle. I had a station boat. <laughs> you know, so I could do a lot of things. But I. That's that's how I got my start. So it was my interaction with people out in the street when I wasn't getting paid. Uh, program director said, hey, I got to team you up with this guy. He's coming into town. He's looking for a sidekick. Uh, his name was CK. CK. So the name of the show is CK and the Bad Boy Broadcast, and they brought me in. Um, the the whole thing – oh, man, I, I got I to gotta go back a little bit. So I'm working – I'm going to school full-time, and I'm working full-time at this uh, subcontractor for Hewlett-Packard. Um in Lincoln, California, and I used to fax in, me and my buddy Mike, they, they just called me Buddha. They didn't call me Big Buddha. It was just Buddha and Big Mike, and we would fax in our request for Flashback Fridays on KSFM 102.5, and then it turned into where they would call us and ask us for, like, love advice. So they called us the Polynesian players, <laughs> and they would ask us, hey, so-and-so from Citrus Heights wants to know, how do I find out if my boyfriend's cheating? And so the two, it was just two regular dudes just offering advice. That turned into promotions director, and then that eventually turned into to an on-air spot with uh, my man CK uh, and the Bad Boy Broadcast. And it just turned into that. We, we became an overnight success. I wasn't ready for that. I was part of that that night show that went number one, we did a lot of crazy stuff. I, I got sent out to the street 
uh, with hidden microphones, <laughs> and we used to do all these crazy things. That so you were a stunt boy. I was. Yeah. So so I come and I co-host, but I'd go out and and live stuff. They sent me out, and I think a lot of stuff that I think it's illegal now to do some of the stuff <laughs> <laughs> that we did. We uh, four twenty. Uh, anybody who does radio knows what four twenty is. Um, it was in conjunction with a big concert, hip hop concert. And they sent me out. Uh, Big Buddha's going to be hanging out uh, on your corner with his free sacks of weed. <laughs> and the cops, the yeah. cops came. So we gave out our location. You know, it's a sticker stop. But we took it to the next level. We went to, do you know those uh, ficus trees and the moss that grows on the bottom? Yeah. I, I got sent out and I bought 20 of those plants. And I chopped up <laughs> those moss from the ficus trees and I put them in little baggies <laughs> with our sticker on it. And I and, and and you never know which bag had the free tickets in it. So we gave them <laughs> that was our that was our promotion, free sacks of weed. I'm surrounded by SWAT. I'm surrounded by Sacramento PD. And they they really thought we were giving out sacks of weed. And the hilarious part <laughs> is the next day people call in and they're like, dude. That was a bomb stuff. Yeah, that was not marijuana, sir. Uh, nah, whatever. Okay, wink, wink, but that was some bomb stuff. But that, that's how I got my start. I did crazy stuff like that all the time. And um, was it to get your name out? Is I was just, yeah. dude, I was just having fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wasn't getting paid a lot. I, I know radio guys don't get paid a lot still today, but I, I did some of that stuff because nobody else would. You know, in a production meeting, we're, we're thinking about, like, dude, let's do Christmas in July where we'll have somebody stand on the corner and they have to get 102 honks, but they're dressed up like a snowman. We're going to rub their body from head to toe with mayonnaise and throw <laughs> glitter on them. And then they're going to wear Speedo with our, our call letters on it. Who's going to do it? Nobody volunteers, right? And and I'm kind of like, I'm, I'm the co-host at this point. I'm like, none of y'all want to do it. Hell, I'll go do it. And then that's that's kind of really what it was. It was what if it was crazy, if it was fun, if it was to get us ratings or notice, I, I was down to do it. So you had no <laughs> fear of embarrassing yourself or No, you I, I don't or maybe I didn't think about it. Yeah. And then actually still to this day, if I go out to a live shot and somebody says, Hey, don't you want to practice that? I said, nah. I'd rather just just tell me how to do it, and, and I'll do it on camera. If if I fall on this is what this, verbatim, this is what I say. If I fall on my ass, I'd rather have it on TV camera than not, because that's that's what I'm getting paid for. If if it all happens here and we have a good chuckle, then <laughs> then I'm not doing my job. <laughs> but if if there's a chance where I could I could uh, have bodily harm, <laughs> let's wait till the camera's rolling, and then I'll try it for the first time. That's so so even to this day, I, I don't like to pre-plan. Uh, to an extent where it looks canned. So you encourage the joke and the fail. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, hoverboard, right? I, I rode my first hoverboard on camera, and the guys are telling me, no, no, it could be potentially dangerous, man. You could fall or whatever. I said, okay, well, let's do it on camera. I don't want to jump on, and I'm cool at it. And everybody, nobody likes to show off. You know, no. I, I, I grew up working in, in a donut factory where I fried the donuts and I glazed the donuts. And I've been to a lot of donut places, and you know what? But I never... Only because my mom always told me nobody likes to show off. I never stand out like, here, let, let me show you how to fry donuts. You know how to fry donuts. I, I never do that. I mm. want the person that I'm doing the interview with, I want them to be the star. I, I'm sure you in, in radio, I, I can't remember where I learned that from. I, one of my radio professors in communications told me, you know, you let the person telling the story be the star because it's coming from them. It's their account. You know, you don't ever want to be the guy that, that steals their thunder. So yeah. that, that's kind of how, how I do it. 
So you, you kind of like assist more than anything. Like you come in, like if the conversation lulls, you'll jump in, or if he needs help, you'll. But you'll let him yeah. do his thing. It, it it should be it should be about the person that we're featuring, right? I mean, the person that we're interviewing. Obviously, it's you know, for example here, it's it's your show. You guys carry the weight. You push it wherever you want to go. But if you got, if for example, if you got Robert Redford, right? If you got J Lo, <laughs> just in case you're listening, J Lo, we'd love to have you on. Uh, but but you let them, you let them, you know, you let them push and be the star of the show, which which they are. That's cool. That's that's how I approach it. No, uh, we used to have a uh, big conversations about this because I spend a lot of time editing our show. You know, if there's a 10 second pause, I'll shrink it a little bit. I'll take some ums and buts. If there's stuttering, I try to protect my talent. Yeah. And I had a major on air talent says. Don't protect your guest, protect yourself. Make yeah. yourself the star. Yeah. And so I started talking to a lot of people in this building and in television about that. And they're like, no, that is not the way you do it. You protect your star, you make yourself look bad. Yeah. And it's it, nice no, to no, hear it can that, it can be you know? it can be fifty fifty yeah, either yeah. way. I mean, obviously you want to have a good product because this is your show. Yeah. Ultimately, uh, it's gonna stand on its own merit with your with your names on it, right? Um when when I say you make the guest the star of the show is you let them tell the story. So even if you've shared the story before, it, it would sound for for me it would it would come off it would come off uh, like a fraud. I can't I I say that word because my kids say that all the time. Every time you know fake they would say fraud or if you miss a, a basket they say fraud. <laughs> so now it's in my head. Um, but if I tell your story, we 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 had a conversation and you tell me this funny story about slipping on the ice. And then I tell it. Now I'm telling your story. It makes me look like, what's he trying to do? He's trying to steal his thunder? Let, mm. let let Sash tell the story. It's his story. It should be. It should come from you. It would sound better coming from you. That's that's my own thing. But I, fifty fifty. I agree on both of those sides. Mm. But 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 as far as for me and what I'm doing, I always I always try to tell the I have the other person, you know, do their thing, and I'm there kind of like if there's a dead silence, you know, awkward pause. I try to fire a question off or do something. That'll get them going. What are your thoughts on censorship in media? Man, it's it's <laughs> it's it's tough, right? I always I always make fun in the in the morning show on Fox uh, on our on our show Good Day Utah. I always tell people that I have like four uh, asses that I can drop uh, throughout the year. Obviously, the FCC doesn't care about those words. There's other words, what? But for some reason. Since I've been saying that at the start of my career, people are keeping count. <laughs> like I'll say, I'll say, like uh, I, you know, like dude, that's a, that's a badass hamburger, or man, that's a badass skateboard. People count. <laughs> They'll email me like, uh, you might be in trouble. That was your sixth ass this year. Uh, I just want to warn you. I don't want you to get fined. We really like what you're doing, and I'm like. Uh, what have I done? <laughs> so I say stuff. I say stuff like that all the time, and I think I, I forget that people are actually engaged, or you know, they're listening or they're paying attention because I, I drop stuff like that all the time. But censorship is, uh, you know, a lot. I'm sure you guys get this too. You know, a lot of the stuff that you guys do for the podcast is great. But it's usually when the when the mics are off and we're just like in like chill mode, something great happens Always. or somebody drops a great sound bite and they're like, damn, why weren't we rolling all that? Right. Man, we should have been rolling all that. We have the same joke uh, when we're doing the morning show, me and John, uh, my camera guy, John Diaz, we always say to each other, man, if this was a cable show, <laughs> we, we'd be off the hook right now. We could just let, let go, you know, because uh, usually the conversations before the camera's on are usually the most fun and they're the most the most real. 
It's one of the things I struggle with because when I was up at the U doing radio, you know, we were getting sponsors and this and that. And then, you know, we were podcasting up there too, but everything was clean and we'd have comics come in or we'd have comics call in and they would get mad when I'd say, Joey Diaz, you have to be clean. And he's like, F that, I'm Joey Diaz. <laughs> free speech. And so I got my key manager like texting me like, dude, you got to tell him to shut up. And I'm like, Joey Diaz's whole platform is protecting free speech. Yeah. And, you know, up at the U, I'm not going to get fined by FCC. But so we bring this podcast here to the iHeart Media channels or stations. And I get people saying, you're cussing on air. Don't you worry about the feedback? And it's like, well, first, I'm not going to get hired by anybody. And B, I think it's more genuine when people cuss. But if we start using language, it's like, well, can I book Big Buddha or can I get a Kim Fisher? If I'm using the F word a lot. So it's confusing to me, even though I can say it on this show. It just, I, I, I don't know. know anybody who doesn't curse. Right. Yeah. You know, in, in real life. I mean, I think people have a switch because I see it every day. Like they know they're about to go on television. Right. And right before we went on, it was like, man, you, you see that effing show? Man, that was a effing funny show. Right. They'll say stuff like that. And then as soon as they know they're about to, okay, we're about to go live in 30 seconds. Right? And all of a sudden, it's just like, okay, I, I got to be this other person who I'm not. I, 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 it's confusing. I, it's, it is confusing. And I'm, I'm not saying for people should drop the F-bomb or whatever, but you should still be able to articulate yourself, you know, express yourself, uh, whether you're swearing or not. You know, um, I, I swear sometimes. Yeah. Um, when I'm talking to my kids, I don't physically go in my head and say, I, I got to turn this, this swearing switch off. My body just knows, my mind just knows, but sometimes, sometimes you say, <laughs> but it's, it's just one of those things, man. You know, this country was founded on the ability to say whatever you want about whoever you want, whenever you want, you know, um, I mean, look at, look at the politicians. I mean, if, if it didn't mean points in the poll, I bet you they'd be dropping F-bombs. <laughs> Seriously. I really believe that. Yeah, I bet a candidate that actually swore would probably do really well. I, I bet I bet for people, because you'd get that one side, right? People would say, man, I think that's refreshing, man. One of our politicians, he's like one of us. You know, I can relate to him. Whereas everybody who's super squeaky clean, then you're thinking, all right, what's he hiding? Yeah. Why, why is he like that? You know? Like Bill Clinton. Remember when Bill Clinton came out when we found out he plays saxophone and he smoked weed? Yeah. Remember that? All of a sudden he was like, man, he's, he's, he's cool. I'm glad he's my president. But I never inhaled. <laughs> <laughs> I did not inhale. Uh, what, what do you prefer better? Did you prefer your time in radio or do you like TV better? Like which one do you prefer? Um, I, I like them both. I learned a lot from my radio days because I was uh, willing to do anything and everything just to, to have fun, learn the business. What I tell people to do, you know, no, my, my official technical title is a feature reporter for Fox 13 News. But when I when I tell people and kind of explain it, I tell them I'm doing visi visible radio is what I'm telling them. So I'm doing the same things I'm doing that I was doing on radio, except now you can see it. So instead of theater of the mind that us radio guys have to think about when we're talking on air, now it's it's actually showing them, you know. So instead of saying, um, yeah, I was hanging outside and the clouds look like fluffy cotton balls, now I can just say, look at the clouds. That's, that's what they look like. So, but, but everything I learned in radio has really helped me become a better um, storyteller, I guess you can say. So, you, you know, my, my job is I'm really, I'm really like a pitch guy. 
is what I what I am. You yeah, know, whether you whether it's a donut shop, whether it's uh, Best Buy, whatever it is. The, the whole thing that I'm trying to do is I don't want it to look like a QVC or an infomercial. I want to have fun. So if a guy says to me, man, my product, this, this, is, the ca- this is a phone case that is indestructible. My first instinct <laughs> is to grab the thing and just slam it down as hard as I can because you just said something. And I want, I want to show people, dang, he's, he's telling the truth. That's, that's kind of what, what I, I, I like to do. People say, oh, this thing will hold up to 400 pounds. Oh, okay, I'm 290. Let me, let me jump on it real quick. So that's, that's what I kind of do. So when you were doing radio, and now when you do your feature reporting for Fox 13, you're very free-formatted. When you were a beat journalist, kind of like Ben Winslow is now, when you're on the side of the road or you're at a crime scene, you have to write your story. Epic fail. Uh, <laughs> they, they haven't sent me out to do those serious stories in a long, long time. They sent me out one time uh, when Gordon B. Hinckley uh, was the president of the church and he just passed away. Yeah. Right? Big story. Everybody's covering it. Every- but <laughs> nobody, I, I, I'm thinking to myself, there's no way they're going to send me to do something. I'm the class clown. I mean, this morning, I was just featuring lingerie, and I was having fun. I put it on my head, and now you want me to go out and get reaction about uh, the LDS church's biggest leader that just died. Yeah. That's, that's really what you want to do? Yeah, yeah. So they send me out, and I'm on the corner, uh, some corner in Provo, and I have all these people, BYU people, just walking by, and I'm just like, hey, how do you feel about Gordon B. Hinckley dying? I'm sad. I was like, all right, how do you, you know? So I'm treating it like it's it's. I'm still doing my thing, but I, and I don't think about it at the time. But afterwards, I'm thinking, like, damn, man, people people could look at that as disrespectful. Like, mm. like we're making light of Gordon B. Hinckley's death, you know? And he's a cool dude, but here I am doing my shtick, right? Based on his his death, mm. and so I I went back and we we talked to the to people back at the station and said, like. I don't think that's a good idea. That's that's never smart because we've built this brand about me doing anything and everything. I'm crazy. You never know what you're going to get when you tune in. And then you send me out to a serious story, and now I'm supposed to be like, forget about the lingerie this morning. By the way, we're live in Provo getting reaction from Gordon B. Hinckley's death. Coming, you know, I, It just doesn't work. So after that, they, they haven't sent me out again to, to any uh, semi-serious story like that. Is that... Difficult for you? Like, would you like to cover the darker, more serious side of news? Or you know, I'm I'm actually I don't know about the darker side, but I'm doing a lot of news type things that real reporters would do. So my morning schedule consists of the live stuff that I do, uh, which is twelve cut-ins in the morning from five thirty to nine a.m. And then I have to pre-record a segment that airs during the four p.m. news. Then I have to grab a soundbite. For the 5 p.m. news and the 9 p.m. news. And I have to write all that stuff. I write the intros. I log the soundbite. And I write the outros. I, I do everything. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, like, I'm doing some of what, of the, what the reporters are doing. I, I, just, I just don't know if I could handle the emotion if I got sent out to, you know, like Officer Barney, God bless, you know, rest in peace. If they sent me out to that, what, what could a guy like me bring to it? I mean, could I tell a story? Probably, but I don't know if... I don't know if I could fit in, man. It'd, it'd be tough. Mm. I don't want to pretend that I can do a, a, a real reporter's job. Their job is hard. They got to find the facts. They a lot of the stuff that I do. I if I hear it in the background, if somebody says in the back, "Man, we just sold a thousand of these," I'm like, "Okay, good enough for me." <laughs> they sold a thousand of these. <laughs> a real reporter wants to fact check uh, where your sources. I'm like, "Oh, this dude back here just told me they just sold a thousand. <laughs> I just go with it, you know, just like a regular dude, you know. That's that's how I kind of approach it. 
uh, are you concerned with getting Emmys or anything like that? <laughs> <laughs> no, man, you know, there's too much of a process. I think you got to like find your clips and then you got to submit it. I, I think I'm too self-conscious to submit stuff. Uh, oh, I didn't win. Yeah, I knew it. <laughs> I knew I wasn't going to win. Yeah. I have never thought of it, to be honest with you. I don't know what it would entail. Um, I don't know if an Emmy makes more money or <laughs> better contract negotiation. Maybe it does, right? I, I, just, I really haven't thought of it, to be honest with you. Was it difficult getting out of a microphone in the theater of radio and going in front of a camera? Because you were a bigger guy uh, back in the day. So was that, were you self-conscious? Were you overwhelmed? You know, I didn't. I didn't even think about it. Yeah. Uh, the gal that got me started, uh, her name's Allie McKay. She's in uh, Los Angeles. She was the Channel Five KTLA reporter. When she called me and asked me to fill in for her, uh, Casey Scott and um, Court Johnson. Those were Allie McKay's fill-ins. They had just happened to be sick that morning, and she was calling it sick. I. She probably was drunk. And anyway, uh, <laughs> Allie and I are still friends. We're still friends. Uh, she still calls me affectionately her bitch is what she calls wow. me because because she got me the job, yeah. right? She goes, just don't forget who got you that start. And she'll, can, can you hook me up some tickets at Energy Solutions <laughs> Arena? That's that's her thing. And anyway, when, when she asked me to fill in for her, I, I was really apprehensive. I, he said, I, I've never been on TV before. I, I don't know what to do. And she says, you know, just whatever you're doing on radio, just do the same thing. Don't worry about it. Just be yourself. And that was really what helped me out. Um, in all honesty, I think any radio guy can do this job that I'm doing because that's, that's really where I learned my chops was in radio. Radio really helped me uh, become um, the uh, reporter that I am today, in all honesty. So there was a time, I don't exactly know the time frame, but you would be on the freeway and you'd see a big billboard and it would say, <laughs> watch Buddha lose weight uh -huh. for lack of not yeah. knowing the quote. Yeah. How'd that make well, you feel? I'll, I'll tell you, yeah, the, the, fine, tell the, fine, the fine print said, uh, this guy is about to die from being fat. Watch him gain his, no, they didn't say that. <laughs> Watch him regain consciousness on Channel 13. <laughs> um, you know, that was, that was actually my doing. So I have I have a clause in my contract that says uh, I can't alter my um, my look, um, any style. You know I can't because they're investing money yeah. uh, in in my look. So I'd been a big guy for a long time, and you know I had this uh, uh, heart to heart with my family, and they're really concerned. Uh, I need to lose weight, so I knew I was going to go through um, life changing uh, surgery, this uh, gastric sleeve with. Uh, BMI Utah, uh, shout out Dr. Cottom and uh, Dr. Richards. I was gonna do it, but I didn't know if Fox was gonna agree. So it could, I could have, it could have happened where I went to them and said, "Hey, this is what I'm thinking about doing. You're, you're welcome to do whatever you need to do to cover it or whatever, so that I don't, you know, violate my contract." They could have wow. just said, "No, we're not gonna allow you to do that. And if you do that, you're in violation of your contract, and we're gonna fire you." Right, wow. they they had every right to do that if if they didn't want to agree to you to use it as a story, but I guess they they thought it was big enough, or you know maybe they just saw um, a sweep story and decided to to cover it. So I, I agreed to let them follow me, cover me, um, and then to be responsible. Fox also then turned around and said, "Hey, we're going to hook you up with the best trainers, you know, gyms and whatnots, dietitians to help you along with. If this is really what you want to do, we want to help you." 
was there concern in the news director's office or anything like that with your weight, with your health? No, they they never once they never once said to mm-hmm. me, "Hey, you're too big," yeah. or never. There was never a meeting where, "Hey, we're concerned about you. You know, you're, you're putting on weight." And I think part of that is uh, the cultural stereotypes. You know, you're Polynesian, you're big. Nobody ever questions if you're if you're healthy or if you're unhealthy. You know, they the most questions I get asked when I was big was, "How many hamburgers can you eat? <laughs> How many rolls of sushi can you put away, bro?" You know, it's 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 that kind of stuff, but. For me, I knew I was unhealthy, even though I didn't have signs, um, I didn't have any heart attacks or anything like that. I knew I need I needed something done. So my decision with my family was, let's do this, let's get me healthy, so I can be around for a long time. Um, it, it really came back to my daughter. Well, she's the third oldest, and she said, "Hey, Dad, are you going to be around to walk me down the aisle?" Uh-huh. You know that that really kind of hit me hard. I was like, "Damn, I don't I don't know if I am if I keep." I was four fifty. Yeah. I mean, people people always say to me, dude, you don't look 450. I said, well, what does 450 look like to you? A <laughs> uh, guy wearing 6X shirts? I think that's 450. Yeah. That seems 450 to me. You know, uh, I was wearing a 5860 waist, and I, I can't even believe it now. You know, I look back, and I'm like, damn, where were my friends? Who were my friends? Why didn't somebody say, yo, you're a fat ass. Why'd you start losing weight? Why did you wait till I made the decision before now you're coming like, dude, you're doing so good? Or you're losing weight. You're, you look much better. I'm like, where were you when I was fat? <laughs> when did you tell me when I was fat? <laughs> were you addicted to food? Is that what it was? No, I, I wasn't addicted to food. I just, I didn't exercise. I didn't have enough information. I, I didn't eat more than the average person, in all honesty. I had bad eating habits. Mm-hmm. You know, I ate at night. I ate before I went to sleep. Um, I ate the wrong foods, but I didn't put away more food than anybody else. That's that was the really puzzling part to me. I people when people ask me, you know, they ask my wife and my kids, they say, "No, nah, he doesn't really eat that much. Yeah. He eats a lot." And I, I just, I we just couldn't figure it out. But you know, because uh, you know, I'm getting older now. I'm 35, and I've probably gained 20 pounds in the last year and a half or so, and I feel it. Like I see it in the mirror, but I don't want to go to the gym. I hate going to the gym. What finally convinced yourself, I got to get in the gym. I just, I got to do this. You know, half half the battle really is showing up. I, I have yeah. those days uh, three times, at least three times a week where I wake up and I'm like, man, I, I do not want to coach to the gym. And I half-heartedly drive myself to the gym. And then once I'm there, it a different a different persona takes over. It's like, all right, let's go get this, you mm-hmm. know. Um, along with the gym, you know, because that's half of it. Well, maybe not half, maybe less than that. But you just got to do stuff that is active and that's fun, that you like. I started coaching my kids' teams. You know, that's kept me active because I'm spending more time with them. Uh, I'm running with the team. So that, for me, that's kind of a, a sneaky way of staying staying active, I suppose. Hmm. So you just got to get your ass in the gym. Just got to get your ass in the gym, yeah. man. <laughs> um, or, or, or do it at home. Hmm. I, I really believe if you do something, you watch TV yeah, exactly. Um, you know, you do that at the gym anyway. If you if, I, if you go to the gym, you see people on treadmills or ellipticals, and they're watching TV. They're not even concentrating. I mean, I, I think to myself, dude, I could do that at home too. And at least my feet are moving, and I'm getting healthy. You know, I'm losing, I'm burning calories. That's that's really what it is. But there's no science. It's really if you burn more than you put in, you're you're gonna lose weight. I know one of the major crises in America is 
men in their er- early mid twenties, late thirties, mid thirties, not going to the doctors. Yep. When you decided to go to the doctor and get that surgery, how scared were you going, getting your blood pressure taken, getting, you know, all that kind of silly stuff? I, to be honest with you, I wasn't scared of that. I was scared of him putting the glove on. Because <laughs> they told me that was the ten, one of the tests. When, when did you have your prostate checked? Um, I have never had my prostate checked. What's that? Well, why not? Uh, well, is that the one with the glove? Yeah. Yeah. I've never had. No, we're not doing that. Oh, no, you have to have it done. You have. <laughs> Out of everything else, that was the thing I was scared the most of. And they were all telling me, oh, that's the easy part. Yeah. <laughs> uh, ma'am, some gentleman putting his grown fingers up my uh, backside, that is not the easiest thing. <laughs> Have you guys ever had a prostate check? Yeah. No. Okay. Yeah. They talk to you while they're doing yeah. it. So how's, how's your day? Oh, it's going to be cold. It's like, I saw you last night. <laughs> it's just weird having a conversation with a dude who's who's intimate with you. And he's like, hey, did you see that episode of, hold on, it's going to be cold. How about that house episode, huh? And you don't know where there's uh, like, oh, cough for me, cough for me. <laughs> <laughs> it was weird. That was the only thing I was scared of. Um, you know, being four fifty, you've been to the, you've been to the doctors before where they've checked your blood. You know, you know you have high blood pressure, uh, high cholesterol count. So that's that stuff wasn't wasn't new to me. But <laughs> the uh, colonoscopy um, and the prostate check was crazy. The colonoscopy was even crazier because we did it for TV. Oh. We're we're shooting it live. Yeah, and I am not under. <laughs> Seriously, this is this is no BS. It's a true story. You can find it if they have an archive. So here, you know, again, this is this goes along with my my mindset of I'll do anything and everything yeah. that if it's crazy, I, I'll do it. So they're like, hey, uh, we want to do a colonoscopy with you live on television, but um, we're probably not going to put you under because we don't we don't know what you could say. You could you could swear, and it's live television. We get fined by the FCC, and plus you go unconscious. And now we can't have a conversation. So the doctor says it's not too painful. It depends on where your threshold of pain is at. And we'd like to conduct it and have you mic'd up and talk. And I was like, yeah, I'm down with that. <laughs> not really. No, you know, again, yeah. not really knowing. I'm thinking, oh, it's going to be. So the camera, the, the mini camera that's in me, it's just like probing around. And like the cameraman's right here. How are you feeling? And I'm like. Well, how do you think I feel? <laughs> you got dudes digging around in there. <laughs> so that was, yeah, that was that was interesting. <laughs> but never again. Now, now colonoscopies are always always under. <laughs> Did you catch heat from your friends on that one? Oh, dude, I still catch heat <laughs> yeah. on that stuff. <laughs> so they're like, oh, so now you play both sides of the team. I'm like, wow, like that for real. <laughs> For real, just be, just because we're not there when you have your colonoscopy. Come on. <laughs> so I have a question for you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm currently the promotions director for Mix 107.9, and I'm also on air as Johnny Promo Saturdays from six to ten. Do you have any like advice since you did you know kind of the same job I did? Like, is there anything that that you learned that you wish you had known from the beginning? Uh anything that I would have done differently? Yeah, anything like that. Yeah. You know the the experience that I had on the street. Uh, when I was doing uh, promotions, that really is what solidified uh, what I do and, and who I've become as a professional. I, I I didn't have any care 
I really just cared about the first person, even though I'm going to say a word that you radio guys probably say all the time, but never out loud, uh, prize pigs. Mm. Uh, <laughs> yes. the, secret. the secret, the secret of radio. I, I had, you know, every, every remote you have people that come out for prizes and stuff. And I, I just didn't care if they came out three or four times. I treated that person like, Dude, this is my only listener. This is the guy that follows me, man. I yeah, you want a prize? Spin a wheel. I'll give you another prize. I mean, that that was really what helped me was my interaction with with the public. That, in all honesty, that's I get really. in so much trouble in this building, especially by Meredith on KODJ. <laughs> <laughs> I know Meredith. Yeah, all the prize pigs come to her booth, and I let them win. Yeah, like even if they miss, I'll let it win. Yeah, <laughs> so just like slap me on the back of the head. I don't want these people coming. It's like no, but they're awesome. Like. They, but they're not. They're, they're, if they didn't come, who would you have here? <laughs> right, exactly. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that there's a lot of people that don't like them, and I love their enthusiasm. We have this one girl named Donna, and she'll if we have nine remotes on our five stations, whether it's to Ogden to Provo, she will hit every single one in a day. I don't know how she does it. I don't know how she affords the gas money, but it's a beautiful thing in my mind. I like it. Yeah. No, it's you know everybody's got their 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 own quirks, and again, if those guys, I think they helped me because we had like a, a group of about three or four people when I was doing radio in Sacramento that showed up at every remote, and I don't know if it was because I was so new to radio and I didn't get tainted, but I treated them like the first time I saw them because those are back in the days where we actually did live remotes and it wasn't like uh, taped. It, it was it was live. We had ISDN lines, and they would toss out. And it would be live. So, you know, I, I, I okay, stick around. We're gonna go live here. Just give me as much noise as you can. We're gonna have some fun, and and we'll let you spin the wheel. I just treated them like like I never seen them before. <laughs> I gave them different names every time they came on. I hey, we got Johnny. Give a shout out. The next week, the same same guy would show up. And like hey, we got Billy. Billy, give a shout. Out. <laughs> I mean, they they really helped me. Uh, I think. As far as treating people the same, you know, that's that's really what happened. One of the things that a lot of young broadcasters do is they sabotage their career, whether by not going to bed on time, showing up hungover all the time, not even showing up. How did you not allow yourself to sabotage your media career? Uh, I got I got five kids, man. Yeah. Uh, I I I had kids at an early age, and um. You know, when you're responsible for somebody else's life, it's it, it, it does something to you. And I don't know if a lot of the other personalities, uh, sh- you know, shoot themselves in the foot because they're young and they don't care. And I mean, because that was the mentality uh, for a lot of uh, uh, radio guys was I'm, I'm only getting 12 bucks an hour. I mean, if you think back back in the old payola days, right, mm. um, guys were taking money because what are they going to fire me? I'm, I'm, I'm working here for free. Right. I mean, that was kind of the mentality. But. For me, it was it was a career. It was you know this is the way I this is how I put food on my table. This is how I pay for the rent. And so if I missed a day, I missed you know I wasn't I wasn't salary. So if I missed a day, I missed I missed money. You know I was I was basically throwing money uh, down the drain. So that's that's what helped me uh, never miss work um, when I'm supposed to be at work. <laughs> that is called the uh we don't have anybody we're responsible for right now so <laughs> except for ourselves <laughs> i love how both of you just look at each other oh no i got a 13 year old kid okay. and it's that same type of thing for me but there's still a big part of me that wants to go to the bar late at night or smoke out with my friends yeah. and do all these kind of fun things 
but I can't do it with my job. You know, if I'm at the Pac-12 and I look hungover or I look high, I'm going to get fired. If I come here and I'm working for ZHT and I'm a complete mess or I show up late, I'm jeopardizing Frankie's career. Yeah. I'm jeopardizing AJ's career. Yeah. It's... It's no, you know what? No, no, I, I totally get where you're, where you're going. So, so what I do is I tr- I tell people, you know what? As as hard as I work, I gotta play as hard. And even if it's for an hour, yeah. I I put everything I have in that hour, whether it's video games, whether it's just slapping bones with the fellas, you know, whatever it is. Um, my 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 release um is I like to just sit around and listen to some jams. You know, and I think you, you got to carve out at least an hour for yourself, bro. You got you got you got to take take time to, to to be good to yourself. As good as you are to your job, if if you don't take care of yourself, you, you can't you can't be productive. You can't be the guy that everybody knows and loves what they love about you. So Friday night, Saturday nights, I, I try to do it just on Friday nights, but but I usually just chill. Uh, I'm drinking a bucket of kava and just. Listen to tunes. Yeah. I I have to have that, and my wife and my kids understand. In order for me to be the fun, outgoing dad, that I dad needs his alone time too. And it's and I say alone, but I'm I'm there with them. But I'm doing my thing in conjunction with the movie. If we're watching a movie, I'm drinking kava while we're watching a movie, right? So I'm with them, but I'm still doing my thing. So I, I would say you just you just got to figure out a time to do it where it doesn't jeopardize your job. Figure out the schedule and just make make it happen, man. Got got to be good to yourself, bro. How do you how do you turn it on if you're having like a down day? Like say you just got in a fight with your girl or you know, you're stressed out about something. How do you just turn that off and then be ready? Because you can't have a bad day. Uh, you know, doing what you do. You you can't. When that happens, if I've 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 had a couple of those days, I really try to think about uh like I'm dating. You know, if I show up and I'm show up in your place of business, you know, it's potentially like we're going on a first date and I want to make my the best impression. The first impression is always the best. So I can't bring my personal life. You know, my mom just died uh, unless I want to, you know, go to second base. <laughs> <They're> like, <laughs> oh, Susie, I'm so sorry. I'm not I'm not myself today because my my mom just died. And oh, oh you want to hug me? OK. You can hug me. <laughs> but that's that's kind of how I look at it. You know, if I'm having a crappy day, um, you it's not your fault. So I just try to present the best best possible or I try to, you know, actually, I, I take that back. I always try to fix whatever is wrong before before the next day at work. So if yeah. I got problems that happen on Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night, I try to get that all worked out at least amicably so that when I show up Monday, it's not it's not real. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's not fake. Cuz people people can see that, you know. You know they say customer service when you're when you're on the phone, you answer the phone or you talk with a smile cuz they can feel it on the other end. I, I feel the same way. If I, if I got problems going on, I think people can see that, you know, no matter how funny a joke is or how funny a situation is, people will go away, "Yeah, that was funny, but did you see the way his eyes look? <laughs> yeah, I don't know what they'll say, but that, I try I try to fix things before I go on air. That's that's what I try to do. Do you get up for work at three in the morning? Two, two. <laughs> How, what do you say to yourself when the alarm clock goes off? Uh, I got five kids to feed. <laughs> I used to say that. Now I'm like, dude, are you crazy? <laughs> I used to say, what the hell? What's wrong with me? Uh, no, actually. If you do it long enough, it becomes habit and becomes routine. Anything, you know, if you say any, if you say and do something for thirty days, I read somewhere, it becomes a habit. And then if you do it longer than that, then it becomes second nature. So, I've been I've been waking up at two o'clock for quite some time. Before it used to be where I just freak out because I'm worried about the morning show. Yeah, you know, I'll just wake up I'm like, oh, uh, do we get a ladder? I think we're supposed to get a ladder today. Where, where's where's the ladder for the stunt? 
I think about stuff like that. But but now I'm I'm just getting up just to go to the gym. The last thing I'd like to exit on is there's someone up at the U or at BYU, and they wanna they want your job. They want to get in media. What's your advice to them? Uh, let me just finish out my contract, <laughs> please. <laughs> That's, that's all I ask. Let me just finish my contract out first so that I can have a game plan. <laughs> um, you know, the person, you, know, you always have a few of these guys or girls at a party. If you're at a party and they say to you, dude, that's funny stuff. You know, I, I always try to make a mental note of that, write it down when I get home. And I, I don't try to like, um, what's the word? I don't try to fabricated again, but I try to think about how that moment came about because if a person that I don't know came up to me and said, dude, that was, that was great. That's, that's what I'm looking for because usually your audience is a bunch of strangers. You have no idea. They don't know who you are, where you come from. All, they, all they're going to judge you on is that moment right there when they see you, right? So for any budding um, journalists or you know people that want to do my job or be a reporter in general – I would say practicing right now is a good thing, um, whether it's in the mirror, whether it's at your brother's high school game. There's there's a lot of opportunities to just practice, and uh, writing classes really helped me out. I took a lot of creative writing classes. The example that was given to me is uh, you got a market like we're in, and you got like five or six stations all being sent out to the same fire. How do you differentiate yourself telling about that fire than that guy or that reporter? So... The example that was given to us is they put us in, uh, they had four people. We all had our backs to each other, and something happened in the room. Somebody dropped a, a bookshelf or whatever, and we were supposed to tell the story from our vantage point. Um, I was in the crappy vantage point where I couldn't see the bookcase being dropped, but I heard it, and I heard moans, and I heard, like, uh, I heard stuff. So I'm supposed to write the story based on what I heard and what I saw, and all I saw was I was looking back at the class and how they reacted. So the, the example or the teaching moment from my professor was you have to tell the story from your vantage point, but taking in consideration that person's vantage point, that person's vantage point, that person's vantage point. Even though all you saw and heard was this, you're part of a bigger picture. That's, and I don't, I don't know if it helped me more than it just confused the hell out of me. <laughs> <laughs> but what I took away from that example was, you know, you have to tell a story. How do you, separate your storytelling from the other reporter. That, that's what I would say. If, if this is what you want to do, try to find your own niche. Try to find um, some of my former colleagues, um, John Klimak, he separate. He was a great reporter, but what everybody remembered him from was his tag out. Fox 13. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was borderline F word. I, yeah, th- I always thought. But that's how he differentiated himself. He did whatever report he did. Everybody always looked forward to him finding out, signing out. Fox 13. Fuck. I mean, that's the, how he did it. Uh, Rungi, yeah. uh, he, he, had a, he had his niche, Rungi time, and everybody wanted, hey, can he record me? I want to do Rungi time. Because he did our sports. Mike Rungi was our sports guy. And before he came on, it would be firefighters or cafe workers. It's Rungi time. So, you know, you just you just got to find your own niche. And I think my niche is just doing whatever the, the hell somebody would dare me to do. And it's not embarrassing, f- and I want your opinion on this, but it's not embarrassing for top-of-the-class BYU student or U student to go to South Dakota or North Dakota or Bismarck and get TV time, is it? 
It's it's not. You know, I I'm really a fortunate. I'm really fortunate in how my career played out. I didn't go to market 175 and shoot my own stuff. And you know, I give props to all the reporters that have come that way. So I, I can't relate to that part of it. Um, I did it in radio where I started off doing all the grunge work, you know, the producing, getting all the clips so that the, the talent would come in. Hey, did you hear what Jay Leno, Jay Leno said last night? You know, all they got was a drop. You know, that was, I did all of that stuff before on radio. I didn't have to do it on television, so I was very fortunate. But, yeah, if you, if you get a job, take it, man. Take it in South Dakota, North Carolina, market 195, whatever. That's, that's how you get your feet wet. Um, and you never know, you could get as fortunate. I was very fortunate to, to land my job without having to, to go that route. But I have mad respect and mad love for the reporters that have had to come up from, from ground zero, so, so to speak. Mm. L.A., Chicago, New York on your radar at all? Um, you know what? I did, I did get some offers from um, the Atlanta affiliate when we were uh, owned by Fox. Um, it just It's just so tough to uproot an entire family, man. You know... It would. I don't know how long it would take for them to adjust, uh, to get new friends. So, the sacrifice is. Well, I don't know if it's. A, it's well, no, it's not a sacrifice. You know, I know people are always thinking about if you're good at something, then you're, maybe you're going to jump to a bigger market or you're going to go to a, a bigger audience. I'm. I'm really content with where I'm at and what I'm doing, but I don't want to be so content where the stuff that I do. And, and, and let's be honest, the stuff that I do is kind of dated because it's the same thing. I'm just at a different place every day. But my job is to try to find and make it fresh every day so that when you tune in, I'm not saying the same things all the time. I'm not doing the same things all the time. But, you know, it, it is it is bound to happen because I'm working with the same people every day. You know, Dan and Carrie, we have, we have a relationship and the inside jokes are always going to be inside jokes or the things I say to Dan are always going to be just like a sibling rivalry. So I just, we always try to find a way to make it fresh every morning so that if you're watching it Monday, it's going to look different Tuesday. It'll look different Wednesday. That's that's kind of my challenge. I think your format's the same, but the smiles you put on your anchor's face is unique every time. And Oh, you have no idea. <laughs> Uh, I came up. I came up with this. I came up with this thing. Um, I don't know anybody who does it. If some, if somebody started it, I apologize. I don't know that you started it, but I started doing this thing where, in the beginning of my career, I would ask Dan, and I would ask Carrie to ask a question about something. You know, hey Dan, what do you think about that? And because it was maybe potentially risque or it was off color, they wouldn't answer, and so it would die. So I started pretending like they would ask me and I'd be the one asking the question. So I would say, oh, that's a great question. Let me ask that. Hold on one second. So how do you get that from uh, uh, what, what, where, where does it, it could be anything and it could be just potentially off beat, off color. Even though Dan didn't ask it, I would always say in my head, okay, I'm going to ask this, but I'm going to pretend like Dan asked. That's a great question, Carrie. Let me ask him. So are you single and do you have like a tuft of hair that sticks out? So I'd ask stuff like that. The guest has no idea that I just made up the question thinking that the, the, that Carrie's answer. So he'd look in the camera, well, actually, this tuft of hair is natural, Carrie, if you want. You know, so it'd be stuff like that. So I started doing that. And it's solicited a lot of those uh, unique smiles yeah. that you're talking about because they have no idea where I'm going with it, right? <laughs> so I, that's something that I just started doing. Well, it's a beautiful thing you do. Cause, <laughs> you know, I get to see you out around town occasionally, and just 
everyone's smiling when they're around, even if they're not working with you, if they're just, if we're doing beat hunger by a mile and you're there, you know, people are happy to see you and it's a neat thing. So. Well, I, I appreciate that. That, that means a, a world of uh, compliments to me that, uh, that ultimately, you know, if, if I had an, if there was another job that I had that would make me walk away from this gig, it would be to to do a sitcom or something that would make people laugh or smile. That's that's really what I try to do. I try to make people um, have one have as much fun as possible, laugh, enjoy themselves, but without losing the important information. Which is, if you have a donut shop, the donut shop is important to you, and I don't want that to get lost in all the fun that we're doing. So I try to work within the confines of, hey, this is the best donut shop. Hey, this is the, this is where the donut shop is located at, but but still have fun. If, if that makes if that makes no, sense, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so that's that's the difficult part that I try to do every day. Well, thanks for your time. Yeah, we thank you. It. Thank you for having me. Yes, sir. Yep. One of those beasts that I get lost in And talk about how this life is exhausting Or how I'm afraid of falling Distance myself so I haven't been calling often Part of me keeps telling myself it's just this precaution But it's just a way of life until loved ones end up in coffins I learned this lesson, I learned this lesson That's why my mind is racing, I'm stuck here watching the wall spin it's hard to go hard when my heart is softened Your life was taken and mine was spared What would it be like if you were still here and I was there? How would I act if God was to tell me my time is near? Only guarantee in life is death, so I'm kinda scared to be honest with you I ain't making the best decisions Not every move I'm making is made with the best intentions And yeah, I'm far from perfect, but I'm tired of overusing that excuse Who am I to complain when most of my time is misused? So I wonder How people go before you get to say goodbye Crazy how you could look at a person right in their eyes And not even know that next week you'll be asking yourself why As you stand over a casket Questioning what's real cause you can't believe what just happened This all just seemed way too drastic I mean I know it's life and everything ain't always Gucci But dog, this feel like something that's straight up out of a movie for real and I'm sick of wishing and hoping I feel like as of late I'm just going through all emotions How selfish of me trying to be more than a waste of life It's for my uncle locked up in the pen and facing life I miss you and wish that you could be here to see this Even if it doesn't touch the ears it reaches Just know no matter what I'ma be great because I have to If I wrote that letter I was supposed to I would have asked you Some days I look in the mirror and gotta ask myself I'm still learning. 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 Still lear
days I look at the sky and can't help but wonder. Make you proud. Make you proud.